0: You are God. You, are an awesome God. you Sing that with us. Come on.
1: We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged but changed. Our desire here at Heartsease Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into His best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed. Jesus, you are all i for today,
0: Master, Savior. Well, thank you so much for inviting us to come. It's just been a delight to be here. Uh, I am so thrilled to be a part of your anniversary time. Pastor Philip. you are the best. You are the best. I didn't talk to my dad this morning, but you're the best. I ask you to pray for Northwest Ohio. They had about six tornadoes where I come from uh, last night, early this morning, and uh, four people were killed. So I would ask you to pray for uh, those families, and uh, it's very rare that, that that happens up where I come from. It does happen. But uh, six that, that I think touched down this morning or last night. So uh, God is on the throne, isn't He? Yes. Amen. We've been talking about uh, a biblical perspective in an unbiblical, ungodly world. Yeah. And I mentioned Friday night that I had jumped out of an airplane. I'm still here at 15,000 feet many years ago now, about seven years ago. And uh, I'll never do it again, but it was a great experience. I know I mentioned this to you Friday night, but some of you weren't there. But I just had to tell you that when I jumped out of the plane, I was connected to someone behind me who had the parachute. I had no parachute. And I can tell you the Lord spoke directly to my heart and said, Jerry, you're not the Savior. You have no parachute. If you're not connected to me, you're not going to make it. And he also let me know that as I was dropping free fall for a hundred and at 120 miles an hour for one minute, before they pulled the chute, I did not feel like I was falling. I felt like I was floating. It was a euphoric experience. I can see why people are addicted to it. As I said, I'll never do it again, but I can see why they're addicted to it. <laughs> and, um, but the Lord spoke to me again. And I said, I didn't feel like I was falling. I felt like I was floating. And the Lord said, that's right. A lot of Christians don't feel like they're falling either. They don't feel like they're going down. And I asked the Lord why, and this answer came to me loud and clear as I recalled the event, and that was simply this. There were no buildings around me to gauge myself. I didn't have any perspective, nothing to compare myself with. If I had been next to a tall building, how many would know that I would have seen that I was going 34, 32, 30, you know, all the way down? I would have felt myself falling. We need a perspective in an ungodly world. We are living in such perilous times. We are living in a day and age which we don't know what's coming next week. It could happen any moment that Christ could come back. I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? I want to ask you again, are you ready to meet the Lord? Three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, a Russian submarine pulled into Beirut and docked. And it was was, uh, flying an Iranian flag. Don't kid yourself. They're getting ready. Russia and Iran are together. And the sailors that were out on this submarine were unloading this submarine. We're all dressed in chemical warfare suits. They say that perhaps this summer or earlier something could happen. Well, you know, I can tell you this. Something is going to happen. I don't know when and I don't know how and I don't know the details, but I do know this. I must have a biblical outlook and a biblical perspective in an uncertain day. And I'm going to receive that from the Word of God. Hallelujah. And thank God for a church that has a divine perspective from this book that can show other people around this city and around this country that Jesus is coming back and there is a standard and there is the Word of God and there is a heaven and there is a hell and Jesus doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. So there. We need a divine perspective. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Chapter 21, America is on the verge of financial bankruptcy. Boy, it sounds real gloomy, doesn't it? Truth of the matter is, it's not. It's reality. When are we going to wake up, smell the coffee, and deal with reality, sir? These are not bad times. These are the greatest times you could be alive. You know, we are living in the last days. God trusts you to live in this day and serve Him with everything you have. Luke chapter 21, the title of my message would be something like this, Worthy, Worthy to Escape, Worthy to Escape, Luke chapter 21. I'm just preaching to you things that the Lord has been dealing with me about. Friday night, I I talked to you just about where God has been leading me lately. And and today I want to do the same. I want to talk to you about what God has been dealing with my heart. So I'm just preaching to myself. And I said this before, but I'll say it again. You can listen in. Because I need to preach to myself before I ever preach to you. I've preached this message many times to myself. And the words of Jesus come ringing back. Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 34. This is the conclusion, the summary of the Olivet Discourse that Christ made. And he is summarizing his his message. And here is what he says in chapter 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, that self-indulgence, drunkenness, and cares of this life, so that day would come upon you unawares. That day, if you stop for a minute, that day is the tribulation. That day is the tribulation. You will notice Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's what he says. Brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly well that that day so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and what? Safety. The word safety is the word prosperity. Prosperity, let me tell you, the United States and any other country is only as safe as its money holds out. And we are on the brink of that collapse. But I can tell you this. America needs to return... To the God of our fathers. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then God will hear and he will forgive and he will heal our land. It is not too late. We can come back to God. Amen. But he says this, he says, Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians 5. That day is going to come like a thief. He says, and it shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren. Oh, that's good. But you, brethren. You see, they will not escape, but you will. You will. Notice he used the word escape. No, I'm not using the word rapture. No, that's a good word. I like rapture because that's the word we use. But the word escape is just as good because that's what it is. You see, I'm an escape person. That means I'm a pre-tribber. That means I believe I'm going to escape all these things that shall come to pass. Paul said it's going to come as a thief in the night. What's going to come? That day is going to come like a thief. You see, friends, the second coming is not like a thief. The second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation, every eye shall see him. But there's coming a day, friend, real soon, when the escape is going to take place. Luke chapter 21, verse 35 says, For as a snare, hey, sounds the same as Paul, doesn't it? It'll come like a thief, as a snare. A snare is a trap that they set for a a bird or some kind of an animal that makes it so that they're unaware. They, They were caught in a trap. Like a thief comes in the middle of the night and you're not aware. It catches you by surprise. And Jesus said, don't you be allowing your hearts to be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, so that that day the tribulation comes upon you unaware. Here's what he says. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the what? Whole earth. Watch you therefore. Here it comes. And pray how much? Always that you may, so that you may, in order that you may, to the intent that you may, be accounted worthy. Be accounted worthy to escape. Oh, escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. My message this morning is worthy to escape. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Oh my God, I come to you asking you for help knowing, Lord, that your word is so important to us. Help me to gain a divine perspective in an ungodly world. Thank you, Lord, for this church, for this pastor, and for his family. Help every young person in this room to hear what you're trying to tell them and what you're trying to tell me, Lord God, and that is that I must pray always. That i be counted worthy to escape. There's my perspective. I need that outlook that comes from a result of praying that I might be counted worthy. I ask it all in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Watch you therefore and pray always. This word pray, this word pray has in it the idea of need. In other words, Jesus says pray always. This word pray carries with it need so that you know you need this. Come on. He would never say pray if you didn't need it. So he's not talking about divine or or sinless perfection, is he? No, he's not. He's not talking about, you know, you've arrived. You see, none of us have arrived, have we? Paul said, I have not arrived. But this one thing I do. He says, I press on. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. We all must press on. And what Jesus said this. He says, pray always. That means you are admitting that you have a need. And what is the need that I must be praying about? Here it is. That you be counted worthy. I thought, I thought, thought, we're saved. Yeah, he's talking to saved people. But you know what? We need to be counted worthy. Worthy for what? Worthy to escape. Escape what? What's coming? We need to be praying always, meaning we all have a need for this. We all have a need to be counted worthy. Now, the big problem, or the big question is, what does it mean to be worthy? You see, when Jesus saved me and cleansed me and delivered me, set me free, I'm saved. But there is also this worthiness. Well, none of us are worthy. But in Christ, we're saved. Now, now, this word worthy is important. It means this. It means to weigh the same as. It means to weigh the same as. It would be like when you go to the meat market and you buy something, a piece of meat, and you weigh it. The guy sets the weight. He wants it to be three pounds, and he has to put enough meat on there so that it weighs the same as that scale says. You ever know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is saying this. You need to pray that your walk weighs the same as your talk. And you see, friends, we are all in need of this. You see, all of us are at different levels spiritually, but none of us has arrived. Now, why do I have to pray that my walk matches my talk? That, I be, that, that it weighs the same as. You know why? Because we're living in perilous times. You see, our children need to see a mom and a dad who not only talks it, but walks it. On, yeah. How many know that your kids can see the truth? Yeah. I remember more what my dad did than what my dad said. I felt a lot of what he had. But, but I remember what he said. I also remember more than what he said, what he did and how he acted. When we were kids, we had five boys in our family Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, Jerry. I've told you this before. And that's the truth. I've had people say, Are you kidding me? I said, No, I can you ask my mother. It's her fault. We all played instruments. I played a trumpet. My other brother Gary play, plays a trumpet. My brother Larry plays a trombone. My brother Harry plays a trombone. My brother Terry plays a clarinet. My mom played the organ, although we didn't take that in the car with us. But on the way to church, we drove to church in a Volkswagen Beetle, a 1971 Volkswagen Beetle. They're small. Two parents in the front, three guys in the back, and two, me and my brother Harry in that little hole <laughs> with, our, with our instrument cases like this. And Harry's with legs and our knees are bumping up against each other. People would come to church early just to watch us get out of the car. <laughs> Here comes mom, here comes dad, here comes a boy with a trombone, and then it comes another trombone, and then a trumpet, then a clarinet, and then another trumpet. I mean, people just thought, wow, look at that, look at that, look at that. You see, friend, my dad didn't just tell me to go to church. He took me to church. He didn't just talk to me about it. He said, Jerry, I'm going to live by example. I'm going to tell you this. Every Sunday morning, my brothers and I would walk up to the cellarway door, and we would stick our shoes over the edge, just like my shoes are right now. And my dad would be down in that basement. On the second step on that landing, and he'd polish every one of our shoes every Sunday morning. What's what's the deal? The deal is this. We must be careful. We must be certain that we are not just lipping it, but that we are walking it as well as talking it. And this is what's been on my heart for so long. I know it's on your pastor's heart. I didn't know that till we talked about it the other day. But I can tell you, this must be where we're headed, friends. God is getting us ready. He's getting you ready for the day that he comes back. I I look at it this way. It's like a guy with 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 a rod and a reel. He throws it out there and he's reeling in that fish. I feel the Lord reeling me in. I feel the Lord reeling me in and wanting me to get closer and closer and closer and closer. Pray that you be counted worthy, that your walk weighs the same as your talk. Why? Because your kids need to see somebody who's walking it. Because your grandkids need a grandfather and a grandmother who have the guts, sorry about that expression, who have the guts to stand up and be counted in the face of odds that seem to be against all of us. And because the devil wants to steal your kids, he wants to steal your innocence, he wants to steal everything. So Jesus says, you have not arrived. Pray that your talk weighs the same as your walk way the same oh, the, word, the word worthy also means becoming you ever read that verse in Philippians where it says make sure that your conversation is so that it becomes the gospel remember that? so that it becomes, it's the same word that means matching how many know that you have to have matching clothes, you ever seen a guy wear stripes and plaids don't you just go like this Whoa! who dressed you it's the same thing a worthy set of clothes match They weigh the same as. Becometh the gospel means to weigh the same. That means our walk and our talk must match. The world knows when we're just talking because they're watching our walking and it ain't the same. And they say, you ain't no different than us. You just do it with a different beat. Or you just do it with a different word. Or you just do it with a different sound. But I can tell you this, friend. It's what we're walking that speaks louder than what we're talking. And Jesus said, pray always that you be counted worthy. That means that your walk as a Christian weighs the same as your dog. question is, what does it mean to be counted worthy? What we just said. But what is that? Let me just give you a few verses. Verse number one. Matthew chapter three, verse eight. You can turn if you like. You don't have to. I'll just give it to you. You guys doing all right? Doing good. Here's what John the Baptist said. Now, so my question is, what does it mean to be counted worthy? I think that would be a fair question. John the Baptist said this. He said, bring forth fruits, meat, for repentance. How many you remember that? Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Bring forth fruits, meat. For the word meat is not M-E-A-T like a hamburger. It's, it's, it's the word meat, M-E-E-T, which means worthy so he says bring forth fruits that weigh the same as your confession the fruit must match the root we need a divine perspective here I'm getting one what am I getting I'm getting this friends I want to escape that day that's coming but I need to be praying constantly all the time. Well, Jerry, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. Yes, but you know what? I need to constantly be praying that my walkway is the same as my talk because the devil is trying to get that not to happen. And so the closer I get to the time, perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The enemy's not going to stop attacking you. He's not going to stop coming at you. That's why you need to pray always, pray always, pray always that your walkway is the same as your talk and that the fruit matches the root. Is that important? Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you another what it means to walk worthy. Not only does a fruit have to match the root, you shall know them by their what? Fruits. See? Mm Let (laughs) me give you another verse. A a person who's praying to be counted worthy is concerned about fruit matching the root. Number one. Number two. A person who's praying to be counted worthy, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says this. The sufferings of this present time. How many remember this verse? The sufferings of this present time are not what? Worthy. Worthy. Ah, there's the word again. Boy, it's going to crop up a lot more than I thought it was. huh? It says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to what? The The glory. So the sufferings are not what? Worthy to be compared to the what? Glory. The sufferings are not what? Worthy to be compared to the what? Glory. They're not worthy. That means they don't weigh anything. That means they weigh nothing compared to what's coming. Glory to God. Friend, if you're praying to be counted worthy, I want to tell you something right now. You know that the sufferings weigh nothing in comparison to what's coming down the line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, shout glory to the Lord today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. A person who's praying to be counted worthy has a divine perspective that says, I am more interested in the future. I have an invested interest in the future. Therefore, the present takes on not much more meaning anymore, friend, because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Oh, thank God. If you're a worthy walker, if you're praying to be counted worthy, you have a perspective of divine things. That means the things that are happening in this world carry little significance. That means you don't whine as much. Number three. A person who's praying to be counted worthy. Number three. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Paul says to Thessalonians, Hey, I just want to let you guys know something. It's a great, it's a great thrill of ours to know that you have been enduring under these persecutions and trials and tribulations he says it is it is remarkable that you are holding up under the word endure means to hold up under these men and women were holding up under persecutions and tribulations and paul says he says he says it is a token your holding up under is a token he says of the righteousness of god he says he says so that you may walk or be counted worthy of the kingdom for the which sake you suffer. So what does that tell me? That tells me that a person who's praying to be counted worthy is a person who's holding up under trials, who's enduring under tribulations... You see, that, he says, it's a token of the manifest righteousness of God. He says that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. Friend, if you're holding up under tribulation and persecution, you are a person whom God is helping to be counted worthy to escape all these things. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What's that mean? What that means to me is this. You remember old Job? Job said, though he slay me, yet will I what? that's a worthy person that's a person praying to be counted worthy Job's, Job's wife said to him why don't you just curse God you know isn't it funny God, everything, everything Job had is taken away tornadoes, hurricanes blew the whole thing down the only thing that didn't leave him was his wife Can you? I won't talk about that but I'm just trying to say that I better take a drink of water what I'm saying is this woman says to him why don't you just curse God and die Job says, the Lord give it, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A person who's praying to be counted worthy, and his is being counted worthy, is a person that only is concerned about the fruit matching the root, not only looks at sufferings in the right way because there's something better coming, but he or she is a person who says this. I am not going to speak wrong of God. I'm not going to tell it's God's fault. I'm not going to say it's bad God, bad Jesus. No, good God, good Jesus. Though He slay me, I will trust Him and I will not give in to this mess. You've got to have that kind of an attitude. But you know what? You're not going to get it just because you said it. I'm going to, I I, I determine to have that attitude. I determine to have that attitude. I say it, I say, say it seven times. It's never been known to fail. No, that's not what it is. You have to pray and acknowledge you have a need. That your walk weigh the same as your talk. A worthy walker, a person who's walking worthy, is a person who knows that the fruit matches the root. He knows that the sufferings are nothing. They weigh nothing. He knows, number three, what we just got done saying about persecution. And that is that we don't charge God wrongfully. We hold up under And we say, let the storm clouds come. Let the thing blow. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not quitting on God. I'm not running away from God. I'm going to move forward in him. I don't care what they do to me. I stand up and I raise my hand and I'm going to be counted. And I'm going to say, my God is on the throne and he will always be on the throne. Glory to God. That's a worthy, that, that's a worthy walker. Number four, Ephesians chapter four, verse one. Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now that's a great line. Oh, thank you. I feel that one right there. Here we have it Oh, yeah, I feel that one. It almost had that church of God jerk thing going on right there. And that's what we used to call when we were kids. I think it's great when it's the God, <laughs> you know? But, 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 but he says, "I, Paul," you guys okay? OK,, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord." Man, that's, that's, that's a line. Whose prisoner are you anyway? If you're the Lord's prisoner, who really cares? Don't be a prisoner of circumstance. Don't be a prisoner of the Fox News or, the, or CBN or or CBS or don't, don't, be, don't be a prisoner to that. Be a prisoner of hope. Come on. Well Paul says, "I beseech you. I beg of you that you walk, what's the next word? Worthy. Oh, it's up there. That you walk worthy. You see that word worthy? It's the same word. He says, he, says, he says, I beg of you. He says that you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. That means I beg of you that you walk, that your walk weighs the same as your calling. It's the same. It's the same. But if you keep reading, here's what he says. He says, with all lowliness, with all meekness, with all long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, this word endeavor means to urgently do it right now and don't wait for tomorrow. Endeavoring to keep the unity, how do I know what's coming? Of the spirit in the bond of what? Peace. So when you read that line, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, it's saying this, do it, do it, keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How? With all long suffering, with meekness, with, with, you know, forbearing one another in love. That's how you endeavor to keep it. That's how you keep it. You keep it with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering. What does that mean? That means we've got to maintain the unity of the Spirit that He has created in this church. Pastor Dino talked about this one thing last night, didn't he? Yes, he did. It's kind of funny because this is where I'm headed. And that is this, that when a person is praying to be counted worthy, he or she, once they're walked away the same as their talk, they will be concerned not only with the fruit matching the root, Okay. Not only with the sufferings and the glory comparing them that one's nothing compared to the other. Knowing that under tribulation and persecutions they're holding up under they're not saying God's a bad god, they're saying God's a good god. Number 4, they're saying this, I must keep the unity. A person who's praying to be counted worthy is a person who's concerned about unity, but not about creating it. Did you know nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell you to create unity? He doesn't say, you shall create unity. Yet we have pastors, preachers, we got people all around this country trying to go around saying, can't we all be one? <laughs> can't can we just all love everybody? Well, I do love everybody. And I do know that I'm one in Christ. But friend, if they don't believe that you're saved by the blood of Jesus, there's no unity there. And friend, you can't just create something externally that can only be done internally by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that means that this pastor sitting on the front row named Philip, who's my friend, and I, myself, believe that we're saved by the blood the same way. There's unity there, and I didn't create it, but I can protect it. I can keep it. That word keep means protect. It means guard. It means garrison. It means surround that unity of the Spirit and protect it with all that you're worth. That means you can't join in just any reindeer game you want to. That means you can't belong to just every organization out there. Because you have to protect. It doesn't say create. I'm gonna, my mission is to go out and create unity. No, it's not. My mission, my calling as a person who's wanting to be counted worthy is this. As a pastor, I must protect the unity that the Spirit, capital S, has created within the body. That means I am careful who I let behind this pulpit. Come on. Yeah. 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 And Thank God you have a pastor the same way. Hey, and how should we protect this unity? With all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering. In other words, you got to preach it with love. you got to walk and talk with love. You, you don't get a drink of water at a fire hydrant. <laughs> Would you like a drink of water? Yeah, sure, come here, i got a fire hydrant right here. Stick your mouth right there. <laughs> I, now, i, I got to go get a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! The guy's history. That's the way some Christians approach people. Like a fire hydrant. I got something to tell you, boy. I want to tell you. Don't listen to this, man. You put your mouth right there. Me. I got something to tell you, buddy. Whoa! I wonder why he don't like me no more. I wonder what's wrong with him. Friend, you don't get a drink of water to fire hydrant. It's long suffering. It's meekness. It's gentleness. It's forbearing one another in love. It's the fruit of the Spirit that matches the root. Hallelujah. That's how you preach. You preach strong. That doesn't mean you're not straightforward. Hey, this is straightforward. But you know that I love you. You know that I care about you. How many know John the Baptist said he must increase and I must what? Decrease. But John was straightforward. But he did it with an attitude of Jesus is everything and I'm nothing. Friend, the people are waiting to hear a preacher preach who really believes what he says and walks what he talks and loves them for who they are and lets them know the truth. We'll set them free. That's what the people want. That's what the people need. Man. Well, number five. Is it number five? I don't know. I forgot. I forgot. Go to Colossians 1. No, I will ask you to turn to this one, of course. I know they're probably going to put it on a screen. I didn't even realize that. I don't know anything. Colossians chapter 1. Look at what he says. Oh, this is so cool. So we're praying to be counted worthy, which means to weigh the same ass. How many in this room want to weigh the same ass? You want to weigh the same ass? You want your walk to weigh the same as you talk? You want your kids to know that you're not just a talker, but you're a walker at the same time? Jesus says, you know, the more as you see the day approaching, you need to assemble yourselves together. Friend, we help one another in this body. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire in their prayer. What's the desire of Paul's heart? You read it there with me, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his what? Will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that. See the sow that? So that to the intent that. For the purpose of. For the purpose of what? Walking what? There it is. Woohoo! There it is again. Don't you, don't you just love this stuff? Friend, he says, I am praying that you be filled with the knowledge. A person who's walking worthy, who wants to walk worthy, and is praying to be counted worthy to escape, is a person who is concerned with the knowledge of his will. In other words, he is a person who says, not my will. But thine be done. How many churches can you go into or have you ever been into where it's only their will and not God's will? They're not, God's not anywhere to be seen. In fact, he hasn't been in there for a hundred years. And, and one, one guy said, devil's been in some churches and even he's trying to get out of some of them. <laughs> Friend, I want to be filled with the knowledge of his will. What is the knowledge of his will? What's his will? My Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. You must be filled. You have a, how many have a desire to be filled with that will? Not your will. I have my own desires. I have my own thing. But you know what? It's not my thing I need to be concerned about. It must be God's thing that I be concerned about. I must make sure I keep the main thing the main thing. And make sure that it's God's will and not my will. That's what Jesus did. That's why he says that you might walk worthy what? Of the the who? Of the who? Of the Lord. That means your walk must weigh the same as Christ. That means you must be going the same direction as Jesus is going. That means if he was filled with the knowledge of God's will and you are filled with the knowledge of God's will, this church will go the same direction as the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. What's that mean? A heartbeat for God to reach people for Jesus. The atonement, outreach, evangelism. But you don't just talk it, you walk it. And we need to pray that we be counted worthy, that we weigh the same as our Lord. Are you still there with me? Verse 10, that you might walk worthy unto all pleasing. Now here are the results, and I'm done here, but here are the results of walking worthy. Number one, being fruitful in every good work. Woo-hoo. You know what will happen to you? If you're praying to be counted worthy and you're filled with knowledge of His will so you can walk worthy, you know what will happen? You'll be fruitful in every good work. Look at the next one. Increasing in the what? This is, there's an order to this. This is in the Greek text. It's in order. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't write this for just, just through, haphazardly throw it out there. No, He puts things in order. You see, we increase the knowledge of His will. The more fruitful you become in every good work, you're increasing in knowledge of God. That's not an intellectual knowledge. That's an experiential knowledge. Get to know Him. What did Paul say? That I might what? Know Him. Oh, hallelujah. These are just falling out results. You know this word preaches itself. Have you noticed how the Bible just preaches itself? It's powerful. Pray that you be counted worthy. Oh, guys, gals, listen to me today. A person who's being filled with the knowledge of God's will is a person who is selfless. He's becoming more conscious of his need and more conscious of his need of Jesus. More conscious of who he is. That he is nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the man who knows that he is nothing compared to God. He's zero. We need to get back to that. Now look at the next one. Verse 11. What's another result of this? Strengthened with all might. According to his glory is what? Woohoo! That, that's just cool. That's, these, are, these are the things that happen. These are what worthy walking people do. This is what happens to worthy walkers. They are fruitful every good work, they increase the knowledge of God. And number three, they're strengthened. Now, the Greek word here is abilitize with divine ability according to the might of his glory. So the strength that comes upon you because you're walking worthy in Him, you see, the strength that comes upon you because you're concerned about your walk weighing the same as your talk, if you're that kind of a person who's concerned about that, God will strengthen you. He will strengthen you to do whatever it is you need to do, and that's walk worthy. How many know we can't do this enough ourselves? This strength comes outside me. You know, she said, strengthened. Well, who does that? The Lord. You are abilitized with divine ability according to The might of his glory. Now, I know it says glory is power, but the word is might of his glory. Now, this word might is different than the word strength. You see, your strength comes from his might. Your strength comes from the fact that he is almighty. You don't have any strength in yourself, but it's from him. Now, this word, my brother Larry helped me with this many, many years ago. He doesn't even know he helped me with it. He doesn't even know it. He's 61. He doesn't know. But he helped me with this word. He's getting old, yeah. I mean. (laughs) But this word might of his glory is important for you to know. The word might is this. It means that the person who has this might doesn't have to exercise it. He just has to be there. This might has to be present, but it doesn't necessarily have to be exercised. In other words, in other words. It's not that it's not able to be exercised. How many know God is able to do anything? But sometimes, all he has to do is show up. And what this is saying is you are going to be abilitized with every divine ability according to the fact that God shows up on the scene who has all power in heaven and in earth. Now, I I like to liken it to this. I love westerns ever watched John Wayne now you can pick anyone you want they're probably all the same but nevertheless I, I thought of the one that I watched where he's in the in, in, in the covered wagon and there's a girl next to him and they're being chased by Indians how many know the picture okay and John Wayne's going yeah yeah and oh there's about you know 3,000 like Indians that are chasing me with guns you know, and the ladies in the front going oh help us oh Oh, oh. And she's looking and they're they're, they're breathing now, and they got no strength. I mean, oh my Lord. And John Wayne, who he's tough all the time. He's tough. He's tough. And, and he's and the, and the ladies looking behind, and they're coming closer, coming closer, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they look behind him and there's no more Indians. They all turn around and look the other way. And they're like going, and the ladies go, Oh, we're saved. We're saved. You ever heard that? Yeah. That's my southern accent. Now, it wasn't anything they did. What made those Indians turn around and go the other way? Nothing they did. But when they turned and looked ahead, because they were always looking behind. You know, that's what we do sometimes, we look behind too much. On, uh, and, but when you look ahead, all of a sudden, on the horizon of that hillside, like 6,000 cavalry troops all of a sudden come over the horizon. <laughs> and that's what the Indians saw. They didn't see it because they looked mad. Oh, save us! Oh, save us! But 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 while they were going, oh, save us! The, the cavalry were coming on the hill, and there's this big old line of blue, a big line of blue, and the Indians saw that and went the other way. Let God arise. Let God arise I said let God arise And his enemies be scattered Hallelujah Glory to God Thank you Jesus Oh praise him today Oh thank you Jesus You see it was the presence of God It's the presence of God He just has to show up You see you are strengthened According to the presence of God Showing up in this building Oh yeah Have you ever had God show up here? How did you feel afterwards? You can take on them Indians. You can take on the world. You can take on anybody. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. In his presence. His fullness of joy. Oh yeah. You got it. When we were kids. We used to go upstairs. And mom used to go to bed. So we go to bed. Five boys upstairs in bed. How many know we don't go to bed? <laughs> All of a sudden, you hear from the, front, from, from, from the living room, hey you guys a bear. I said go to bed. My dad's 82. He can't say it that strong anymore. <laughs> and we just quiet. Huh? And we keep going. And he said, Do I got to come up there? All of a sudden, maybe we hear this. Coming up the stairs. My dad didn't have to do nothing. He just had to show up. But how many know we knew he had the power behind him? We knew he had the power. We knew he had the... You know, the devil knows God has the power behind him. The devil knows. And when the presence of God comes, all of a sudden, things are done. I remember Jesus when he got in that boat. He goes across the, across the lake. He gets, he gets out of the boat. Can you, can, can, can you just see it? In in the country of the Gadarenes, when that guy was demon possessed, he puts his foot out of the boat. Can you hear the sand squishing between his feet? And as soon as his feet hit that sand, that old demon possessed man went nuts. Jesus didn't do nothing. He didn't do a thing. All he did was show up. Friend, what we need is Jesus to show up. And then you will be abilitized with divine ability to go through anything and do anything he asks you to do. You don't need ability on your own. You need divine ability from his throne. And that will make the difference in your life. Woo! I'm going to remember old Dagon. The Ark of the Covenant was in that old They they got the Ark. They put it in in, in the temple. And they shut the door and went out. Thing falls over. I don't know about you, but that's the most hilarious thing I've ever read in my life. I just think It's cool. They come in in the morning, here's the Ark of the Covenant. Dagon, fall down. What do they do? Picked it up and set it back up. What a bunch of dopes. you think they would have asked some kind of a question at least. And they shut the door and said, well, okay, sirrah, sirrah. So they leave and the next day they come back thinking fell down again, and busted. Let me ask you a question was there anybody in the room? No. Who's in the room? Nobody. But there's something greater. It's called the presence of God. And the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the presence of God. And Dagon cannot stand before the presence of God. Friend, he doesn't need me. I don't have to do anything. And neither does he. He just has to be there. And when God is there, demons fall. When God is there, Dagon can't stand. That habit you have cannot stand when the presence of God so fills your life. Friend, let me tell you something. Stop trying to get rid of the sin and start putting Jesus in. If you've got a five-gallon bucket and there's nothing in it. And I say, here's the five-gallon bucket. There's nothing in it. You say, "Well, there's nothing in it. I say, oh, yes, there's something in it. There's air in it. And I say, I'm going to get rid of the air. So I reach my hand down that five-gallon bucket that has air in it. And I grab a handful of air. And I say, be gone, thou air. I look in there, and the air is still there. That's what some of us are trying to do with our lives. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to get the air out of the bucket, pour water in the bucket. And the air will have no place to go but out. Friend, we're concentrating on trying to get the air out of our life. Trying to get the sin out of your life. Friend, Jesus is the one who conquered. Now you are more than a conqueror. Cash the check, baby. And let God have his way in your life. Put Jesus in and he'll get it out. Stop trying to do it yourself. Let his presence be that which distinguishes this church from any other. When people walk in here and they feel the presence. That's what sets captives free. In his presence, fullness of joy, at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Friend, it's the presence of God. The Bible says in Chronicles that the priests went into the temple and they could not stand to minister. You know why? Because of the presence and the glory of God that filled the house. They couldn't stand. You want know to make people fall down? The presence of God. The presence of God. No human being has to make him fall. Friend, don't you realize that the presence of God can do more than you could ever do yourself in ten years? The presence of God in your life can do in five minutes at an altar of prayer. Oh God, a worthy walker is a person who knows that the presence of the Almighty God is what he needs to cultivate in his life and in the church. That means wait on the Lord. You, You sung the song, Strengthen. And because of that, you're waiting on God. You're being strengthened. Look at Colossians chapter 1. strengthened with all might. Isn't that cool? According to the glorious power, unto all patience, long suffering, with joyfulness. Verse 12. Now, what's the next result? The last one giving thanks. Did you know that if you're praying to be counted worthy, you're going to be a thankful person? The result of being filled with the knowledge of His will is that you will walk worthy, weigh the same as. And when you weigh the same as, when you're constantly desiring, we're not perfect, but when you desire and go the direction of weighing the same as your Lord, trying to be like Him, friend, I'm telling you, He will strengthen you and He will make you thankful. Because I can tell you what, if He strengthened you by His presence, who wouldn't want to say hallelujah to that? Who would say thank you, Jesus, Huh? You come out of a presence of God meeting, and guess what's the first thing you want to do? Oh, it was terrible. No, that was great! You say, hallelujah! Or hallelujah, whatever way you want to say it. You say, thank you, Lord. See the order? The order is obvious. You will now become, as you are abilitized by His divine ability, according to the presence of God that shows up in your life, you'll be thankful. Mm. You know, thanksgiving is an internal thing. Did you know that? Listen to these scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 18, I think it is. It says, in everything. What does it say? In everything, what? Give thanks. For this is the will of... Have ever come to the church and not felt like giving thanks? I have. You know why we don't want to give thanks? Because we're going through rotten stuff. Wait a minute. I thought a worthy walker was someone who knows that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the will that should be revealed us. Awesome. Awesome. Huh? That's why Thanksgiving comes after. Because when you know that the sufferings are not worthy, they don't weigh anything, you're thankful yes I'm giving my soul here I'm putting everything I got into this because I believe what God is trying to tell me so he says and everything give thanks for this is the will of God correct so why should you give thanks because it's the will of God why should you give thanks or praise him the Bible says offer the sacrifice of praise what's that that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name why should you do that because the Bible says in Psalm this says that praise glorifies the Lord why should you do it? Because the Bible says that when they sang praises, the enemy was turned around the other way. Because you've acknowledged the presence of God, you've given Him praise. You don't just say praise, and you got, friend, you've got something to praise for. You don't just say praise, 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 praise. No, you don't do that. You've got a reason to praise. You praise because of a reason. What's that? Because things are going so bad for me. No, 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 because He saved you, and things are going bad for you. But that doesn't matter, because He who is faithful in all things gave me the joy. You see, it's an internal thing. Did you know that it's always internal before it's external? Did you know it's internal before it's external? Thanksgiving is a test of our love for God. It's a test of whether we love God or not. If you love Him, be thankful. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, it says, But avoid or flee fornication, and He gives you a whole list of things. Foolish jesting and joking. He says, Get rid of that. Don't let it once be named among you. But rather, giving of what? Thanks. You mean He gives me a whole list of bad things? And then he tells me, but rather, giving a thanks? I thought he said, you know, the list of bad things, and then rather, straighten up. No, because Christians need to be thankful. Do you know what a thankful heart does? It fills you to the overflowing with God's presence, and he keeps you from wanting to do those things. It's an internal thing. Did you know that before you committed adultery, or before you stole the car, or before you did any other breaking of the commandments, you coveted it in your heart? Did you know that you can't that when you break one commandment, you broke two? You can't break one without breaking two. You can't break two without breaking three. You can't break three without breaking four. What do you mean? Because coveting is the last of the Ten Commandments. And that's an internal thing. And so whenever you stole something, before you externally took it, you internally coveted it. So therefore, we must be concerned with the internal more than the external. And if we get concerned with the internal putting Jesus in, he'll take care of the external in your life. And all of a sudden, you won't want to do those things. What I'm saying to you today is, it's an internal thing that carries external results. Thanksgiving is an internal condition that makes its way out in an external fashion. <laughs> That's true. L- look at this. you got to give thanks and everything. You know what it says? But rather, give me a thanks. Now, look, look at this verse. Ephesians 5, verse 20, I think it is. It says this. Giving thanks always for all It's getting tighter, ain't it? And everything, give thanks. Okay. Have a thankful heart. Give thanks with a grateful heart. You ever seen a song? Give thanks to the Holy One. You know where that comes from? An inward condition. It has an external result. Singing. But he says in Ephesians 5.20, he says, giving thanks always for how many things? All things. Unto the Father. Getting tight. Go to Romans eight twenty eight in your mind. You know the verse. For we know that all things work together. How many things? All things. How many know that the same? Let me ask you. Are, are the all things of Romans 8 the same as the all things of Ephesians 5? You better believe He says, giving thanks always for all things. For we know that all things work together for good. You give thanks for all things, not just, not just, it doesn't say all things work together for good except trials or sufferings or troubles. Why? Because some of the greatest things have happened as the result of your disappointments. Anybody ever been disappointed? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Now, now everybody has a different definition of disappointment, don't they? How many know if you go in the hospital, if it's surgery on you, it's minor. If it's surgery on me, it's major. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, minor surgery, huh? Well, we'll pray for you. (laughs) When I'm going in for a hangout, oh, thank you, God, it's major surgery. You know, a person, sorry about that, I shouldn't get so carried away. Uh, But your disappointments all depends on your definition of it. So why talk about just little disappointments? Because, you know, everybody goes through them. I want to tell you something. All things you can give thanks for because all things work together for good. So I can give thanks for all things, in all things, for all things work together for good. I don't work it. God works it if I allow him to do it. Now, now, disappointments come. And I'll never forget the time when I was disappointed. You see, my wife and I had moved to a city to build a church. And we wanted to buy a new table and chairs for our house. And so I bought this new table and chairs. Have you ever bought something new and you're all excited about it? Have we got a couch, Pastor? We're going to go pick it up tomorrow. Have you ever bought some piece of furniture helping the blaze? Oh, nobody? Okay. Dear Jesus. I bought, anybody ever bought a hamburger? You're happy for it. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but I, I bought this table and chairs. Boy, I was excited. I'm, I'm an excitable kind of guy. And I love when I get something new. I'm always happy when somebody gets something new. Like, you got a new car? Oh, cool. Let me see it. It's a used car. Well, it's new to them. You get excited about that. So I, I called them. But they said, you can pick it up on Friday. I said, oh, cool. I'll pick it up on Friday. Friday, yeah. When? Anytime Friday, come pick it up. I said, okay, great. So on Friday, Friday came. I called them up just to be sure. I said, hey, I'm coming in. I'm going to pick up my table and chairs, my dining room table and chairs." And they said, you can't. I said, what? They said, you can't. I said, they, 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 they told me I could pick it up. And, and they said, we're closed on Friday. I said, "No." Oh. You're not closed? Like they told me to. You know, how many of you start getting heated up? And you're going, what? Pshh. Now, what would you do? Get all in a snit. In a bad mood, walking around the house. Can't get my table and chair. Can't get my table and chair. Can't get my table and chair. Bought a new car and can't go pick it up till tomorrow. Man, what's the matter with you people? Somebody ought to make these people get on the ball around here. And I got in a snit. So you know what I did? I said to Karen, I said, let's get the kids. Let's go get something to eat. Hey, that's my favorite thing to do, one of the things. You know? So when you, when you get in a snit, a bad thing is probably go get something to eat. But nevertheless, that's what I did. So I drove into town, went into a restaurant. Now, I lived in a resort town. Resort town was full at that time of year because it was summertime. And so I walked into this restaurant. It was loaded with people. And I walked into a restaurant. I'm in a snit. I had my sport going on. I had my New Testament in my pocket. I'm a preacher. But I'm in a snit. I walk in a restaurant, table for four, busy, and all of a sudden I look in the back kitchen, and there was a guy in the back that I had met a couple times. A Christian young man, his name was Joe. He saw me walk in, and he was talking to a buddy of his who's back there working the kitchen duty, and they were point- He was pointing his finger at me and talking to this guy. I Thought, what in the world's wrong with that guy? That guy needs some help. <laughs> Now, I know Joe. I knew he was a Christian, but I thought, what in the world's got into him? He comes walking out with his apron on. He comes walking out, stands by the couch, and says, Hey, Pastor Jerry, good to see you. I said, Good to see you too. You know how you have to be, you put the smile on your face. I said, Good to see you. He says, Hey, I've been talking to this guy about getting saved. And he says, I don't know what to tell him. I said, I got to a place that I don't know where to go. I'm stuck. Would you be willing to talk to him sometime? I said, Yeah. <laughs> yeah bring, bring him over sometime. We'll talk to him. Be glad to. You know, blah, blah, blah. So he goes back. And I think, Well, great. So, someday maybe he'll come over so we sat down at our table all of a sudden joe comes walking out of the back kitchen with this guy he's got him by the arm carrying him like the guy don't want to come you know he's carrying on and they're right in the middle. The place is full of people they're waiting sitting down to wait you know calling numbers like you know and this guy comes out and he says this is this is my friend real somber hi i'm like oh boy i was looking for a little more excitement my name is John. I said, hi, John. So uh, we're standing up, you know, and I said, uh, so, John, I said, I hear you want to give your heart to Christ. Yes, sir. I'm like, oh, boy. He's so, going, you know, I'm in a snit. I don't feel like doing this. I said, now? You want to do this now? I'm, I, I want to be in a better mood now. I'm not in a good mood. So I said, okay. I told Karen and the kids to sit there at the table, and I took him back to where everybody's waiting, full of people. We sat down in the little, little couches in there, and I began to share with John. I pulled out my New Testament. I started to get the picture. And I shared with John about Romans and how to get saved. And all those people that were sitting there, standing there, heard me talk to him about how to get saved. Joy started coming in my heart because I started to realize what God was doing in my disappointments. And I started to realize John's going to get saved. I said, John, would you like to pray with me and give your heart to Jesus? I said, Jesus, that's a little loud. All the people waiting to be seated for food. Wait to you hear this. <laughs> I said, John, would you like to give your heart to Christ? He had tears coming down his face. He said, yes, I would, Pastor Terry. I said, would you mind giving your heart to Christ right here in front of all these people? And you all looked. He goes, no, I don't mind. I said, then let's pray. And I prayed a sinner's prayer with him, and he got saved, and he became a leader in our church. Amen. That's right. I felt about that high, because I was griping and complaining. And unthankful because I couldn't get my table and chair. But God did something better through my disappointment. A worthy walker is a person who has disappointments. But gives thanks always for all things. Because all things work together for good to them who love God. And John is in the kingdom of God because of it. Filled with the Holy Ghost and became one of my Royal Ranger leaders. I told that story. Well, about a week or two later, Joe, you know the guy who's in the back going, he comes up to me, he comes to church. He comes up to me, he says, Pastor Jerry, i got to tell you, i got to tell you. I said, what's going on? He says, you know that day you came in? I said, yeah. He said, I was in the back, I was talking to John about giving his heart to Christ. He says, and I came to a point where I didn't know what to say. He says, I was standing back in that kitchen, and I was talking to John, and I said to myself, if only that preacher guy would come in. He said, and I looked, and there you were. You walked right in the door at the same time I said it. I said, Praise God. God is faithful. I mean, know that was good for Joe. I was telling that story to the church. That same church, about three or four years later, I was telling the Sunday night crowd, I told them exactly what I just done telling you. And everybody clapped the same way you clapped and give God the praise the same way you did. Give thanks for all things, and even the disappointment. Uh-huh. And I learned something that day. If you can't get your table and chair, you'd be thankful to God anyway because there's something greater going to happen than a table and chairs. God's going to do something better for you. Be thankful. A worthy walker will give thanks always for all things. So I told that story in the church. You know what happened? I got done telling it. The girl raised her hand in the back. And she yelled out, Pastor Jerry, that's not the end of the story. I said, tell me what? She said, her name was Leisha. She said, that's not the end of the story. She said, I just want you to know something. I was the manager of that buffet line in that restaurant that day four or five years ago. And I was there and saw you. And I heard everything you said to John in that room. And she says, and I'm here today. Because I, what I heard you say it. And she was saved. And she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she said, I just want you to know that. You don't know that. But that's the reason I'm here today. It's because of that day in that restaurant. And boy, I tell you, I started crying. I started praising God. And the whole church was clapping just like you clap. And they were praising God just like you praising God. And all of a sudden, another hand went up in the back. And she said, Pastor Jerry, that's not the end of the story. I thought, oh, no, what's going to happen now? And she said, I just want you to know that I'm here. Because Leisha brought me here and I worked in the same restaurant and I saw the same event and I am here and I got saved and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit all because Leisha brought me here and I was at that same restaurant, the same time, working at the same place. And there was another manager that was there that day and he got saved. Not because of that day but because of the other two. And directly and indirectly. thirteen people from that restaurant who worked there came out of that place and came to church and got saved by the power of God. Give thanks for all things. I'll never sell that table and (laughs) chairs. But God taught me a lesson. Hey, Jer. Why don't you be thankful from now on for all the junk that happens in your life? And turn it over to me because if that junk wouldn't have happened, you wouldn't be here. Philip knows. I know. I know I am where I am because of God working all events to fulfill His purpose in my life. Therefore, so I thank Him for the mountains and I thank Him for the valleys and I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I'd never know that He could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams, when your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. (laughs) For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. You know that song? For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him and thank him for who he is. Now Satan is a liar. And he wants to make you think that we are paupers when he knows himself. We're children of the king so lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle has been won for Jesus Christ is risen and the work's already done praise the Lord in everything give him thanks give him thanks in the good times praise his name in the bad times do the same in everything give the king of kings didn't know I was a singer, did you? I'm not give thanks with a grateful heart I want to thank you for allowing me to come here today, this weekend, Philip. Thank you for everything. But I want you to know, I'm thankful for our friendship. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for every stinking, rotten thing I've ever gone through in my life that God has used to bring me to the place where I am in him and my admonition to this church is pray always that you be counted worthy to weigh the same as your talk and walk to make sure it matches and becomes why? because the enemy is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and that escape is coming and thank God for me it'll be a day of salvation for those who don't know him it'll be a day of judgment but I can tell you this I'm looking forward to it oh be thankful and bless his name For his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I love you. God bless you.
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.